This morning we're continuing the uh, morning sermon series on prayer. And uh, I would like you guys, I'm just going to be reading the scripture this morning. If you could turn to Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. It will also be up on the screen, I believe, this morning. So before we read that, would you guys please pray with me? Lord, we just come before you this morning and uh, we just pray for understanding. We ask for open minds and open hearts that we can understand the scripture that we're about to read and just take it in and live it out in our lives that we lead. And not only as we read scripture today, but we read scripture that is words that came straight from the lips of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We just pray that we just drink it in and that it be refreshing like a cool drink of water on a hot summer day, Lord. Please just be with us as we read and as we hear the sermon this morning. In your name we pray, amen. All right, Matthew six twenty-five through 34 reads, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will hear or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or, stow, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his, to his life? And why, do you, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that, they, that even Solomon in all his splendor was dr- in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And also, we're studying prayer with the help of the Heidelberg Bible Studies, which is in the back of the Psalter hymnal. This is found on page 62 in the back. So if you would listen as I read uh, this uh, lesson 50. There we go. Good because I don't have that with me right in front of me. There we go. All right, so please listen as I read. What does the fourth request mean? Give us this day our daily bread means do not take care of all, do take care of all our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good and that, ne- and that neither our work and worry nor your, gifts can, nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and to put our trust in you alone. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're studying the Lord's Prayer, and through today we've gotten through the first half of the prayer. Last week, uh, we weren't in the prayer specifically, but we stopped 
to look more at prayer in general. And we saw prayer as the most important part of our Christian life. And we saw prayer as the fuel of our Christian life and the fuel, the mission of the church. And now we're moving to the second half of the Lord's Prayer this morning. Now, it's interesting uh, when you compare, uh, uh, Reverend Laird brought us to the Ten Commandments earlier. When you compare the Ten Commandments to the Lord's Prayer, there's something very similar in the structure of these two uh, great set of truths that the Lord gives us. In, in, the, in the Ten Commandments, we're first of all focused on our relationship to God right? Those first four commandments. And then in the second six, the second half of the commandments, we're focused and we're brought to our relationship with others. We have the exact same thing in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. We're focused on God first, and that's what we've already come to. His name, his kingdom, his will, right? And then in the second half that we're getting up to, we're focused more on us and our needs, starting with today, give us today our daily bread. And then we'll get in the next couple of weeks to forgive us our sins and then lead us not into temptation. So that, that structure of the Lord's Prayer in itself teaches you and it teaches me a whole lot about prayer. As God's children, it teaches us that we may pray for our needs. In fact, it tells us that you should pray for your needs. But we start with God, right? We start with God. We start with him. Our needs that we should pray for, that Jesus says we should pray for, are always to be in submission to him, in submission to his kingdom, in submission to his will. So this request, this petition, we call it, give us today our daily bread. Three key words that we're going to spend our time on today, most of our time, and then uh, we'll also look at four life applications of those three key words of this petition. First of all, the first key word to spend a little time on is bread. Bread. Some people have said that bread could not possibly refer to something as trivial as actual physical bread you can eat. And and one idea has been bread here really means Jesus. After all, John 6 says that Jesus is the bread of life. Others have said this bread must mean communion bread or the Lord's Supper. So, It's more of a spiritual reference. It's more important than just physical bread. They say God couldn't possibly be concerned about such an earthly matter in life as bread. God couldn't possibly be concerned about such mundane matters as whether our bellies are full. But here's the thing. The Bible teaches us that God is concerned about stuff like that. The verses that we read in Matthew 6 make that very clear. Our Father is concerned about our spiritual needs and our physical well-being. And the Bible study that we're going through, the Heidelberg Catechism, starts out at the very beginning in Lesson 1, a very familiar 
uh, summary of God's words saying that my only comfort in life and in death is that I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only our soul, not only our spiritual parts, but physically, our bodies belong to the Lord too. Both our body and our souls are infected with sin. And then God comes in Jesus and he redeems and cares about people physically as well as spiritually. The two go together. You can't separate them. And bread here, as that Bible study told us, refers to more than just bread specifically. It's referring to all of our physical needs. Clothing, shelter, that would include money, in a society like ours, because we need money to buy food and water, to have health care, to have housing, all that sort of stuff. Asking for bread, give us today our daily bread, it sounds very simple and very straightforward, and I believe it is. I don't think we can stretch out this prayer for our physical stuff to mean and to pray for all kinds of luxuries and riches, like you might hear sometimes from TV preachers. Some people teach that, that God wants all of his children to be fabulously wealthy, and that's just not the case from what we see in Scripture. Now, some of God's people are wealthy, and they, like all of us, were called to be good stewards of what we have. It's definitely not wrong for God's children to enjoy uh, wealth if they're blessed with it. But it'd be very hard to argue that praying for our daily bread gets at all of that stuff. This is praying. You're praying to God here that God would give us just the physical things we need to fulfill our calling as his children in our lives. Just what we need day by day. A second key word I want to draw your attention to, and it's a little word, it's us. Second key word is us. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. We don't pray, give me this day my daily bread. So you see, this request makes us look to others because it says us, not me. It makes us care for others and uh, What I want to bring you today is looking at that us in terms of three concentric circles, three circles that go out that I think will help you understand us. The first circle, the smallest circle, is the person praying the prayer. The person praying the prayer. We say us and our, but if we're praying this prayer, it definitely includes us. And we could add to that center circle those who are closest to us, maybe our family members, our our household. So we're praying for ourselves, but what that us tells us is we don't stop there. Jesus doesn't want us to be praying individualistically. Jesus doesn't want us to be praying selfishly. This prayer includes a love for other people. The second circle going out is the church fellow Christians here locally and around the world. That's the second circle. That's also who's included in our prayer when we pray, give us today our daily bread. In the Old Testament, we find out that 
God provided his people, Israel, with all of its needs so that the nations would know that he is God. So we pray this prayer that God would be providing for his people, his church, right here, we pray for one another, and everywhere so that the world would see and know that those who proclaim Jesus as Lord, who proclaim God in their lives, so they would know that this great God that we serve takes care of his people. So he takes care of his children, just, just like in the Old Testament, that's what was going on. It does here too. Now the third circle goes beyond that. Our compassion, our care, our prayers, and our work, it, it goes out to everybody. Everyone has been created by God. We all share life together on this planet. And the nature of God, we read in Matthew 5.45, is that he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good people. And he sends rain to just people and unjust people. So if you want to be like Jesus, if we want to be like Jesus, and we do, because in Jesus, we see the character of God, and we want to be like God. If we seek God's character, then we also have to care about the physical needs of all people, just like our God does through what we call his common grace. So that little word, us, it's very, very important. It seems like a throwaway word in that, re- in that request, but it's very important. It means... We cannot possibly pray this prayer without loving others. It means that if you and I have enough bread for the day, maybe we have even more than enough bread for the day, it means that we should give to our neighbor who's in need. 1 John three seventeen. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? And James 2 Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? How much do you give? How do you go about this? That gets tricky real fast when it gets down to the nitty gritty. But I believe that, oh, we're we're back a slide. We're not up to there yet. Um... I believe that this, these three circles are a really helpful guideline for your life. Our first priority is that, that center circle, our family. God doesn't expect you to give to other people what your children, for example, might need. God doesn't expect you to give to others what your spouse might need. But if we've been blessed with extra, then we are expected to give to others. First of all, focusing on the people of God, the church, your own church, its needs. And then after that, anybody else who might be in need. We, we do that day by day, each one of us, that's our calling. And, you know, when we, we talk about giving, we have our deacons that do a really wonderful job in helping us with that. You see this pattern of giving going outward even in the various collections that we take. The collection this morning, for example, for Horizon Community Church, 
That's, uh, that's a fellow church, a sister church, but that's not our church. That's, that's expanding outwards. And you know, you see it even when you look at our own church, when you look at your church, when you look at the budget. And the deacons have been reminding us we have a little catching up to do here. Unlike a lot of churches in this country where the budget is just for the needs of that church, somewhere between a quarter and a third of our budget, of every check you put in those yellow envelopes, goes outside of faith to other needs. So in our own budget, we have this worked in. And when you prioritize your needs according to our budget, when it's healthy, when our budget is healthy, in other words, then I believe that we're listening to Jesus' teaching about prayer, both to the needs of our church and far beyond. It's worked right into what our financial guys, our deacons, have set up for us. So give us, tells Jesus' disciples, then, who were taught the prayer back then, give us, tells you and me today, Jesus' disciples, to love others. Love others. Looking at those three circles of priorities will help you, I believe. Giving to the faith church budget and keeping it healthy will also help you follow this prayer. The third word, there's a third word, it's give. It's give, and you saw that, it's in the request, you saw it in the Lord's Day. We pray depending on not ourselves, not other people, ultimately, but God. God is the giver. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. We turn to God and nobody else for our physical needs, because he's the source, he's the fountain. And that means in our prayers, we're acknowledging something that we call the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Sovereignty of God means his greatness and his holiness and all of that combined. That's all packed into that little word give. We pray knowing that everything is God's to give. You know what that means? It means your work, as much as we can be proud of our hard work and proud of what we've accomplished, proud of our business, proud of our education, proud of how many hours we put in the week, you know what? Your work doesn't put food on your table. Your work does not put anything on your table. Your work does not care for your household. It's a means to an end. It's a means of something that we get from God. The Lord fills our plates to overflowing. The Lord covers the earth with clouds and he sends rain to the crops. The Lord makes the sunshine or not. The Lord controls the entire ecosystem, the whole environment, so that animals have food. He causes the trees and the plants to grow, and we in turn use all of this stuff for building, for medicines, for our clothes, for dyes for our clothes, so that we have the colors in our clothes. We live in a complex world, but God also works through the economy. 
and through the commercial world. All of that depends ultimately not on you, not on me, not on us, not on people, but it all depends on his wisdom and his plan and his control ultimately. Our sovereign God brings food and all of our physical needs to us and our households. This prayer, this pleading, this request, give us, Father, it helps us realize that and acknowledge the reality of it. It helps us, as the catechism said, give up. Give up our trust in creatures. It helps us give up our trust in ourselves and put our trust in God alone. Now, four life applications based on this prayer that I want to spend a little time with you on. Four life applications. The first is diligence. Diligence. We're called to work. Though we are completely dependent on God, yes, we are, He has chosen work in our world as the means to provide us with our physical needs. Remember that when you think about your work. Work isn't a result of the fall. Work is not an evil. Adam and Eve were not spoon-fed in the garden before the fall, were they? No, they had to work for the food. Work has been God's design from the beginning. God does say that work is more difficult now after sin, just like everything else is with sin. Work can be a struggle. The ground will produce thorns and thistles, and we work through painful toil and the sweat of our brow, says the Lord, and sometimes we feel that very much. Work can be kind of miserable, and sometimes we feel that on a Monday morning, But work in itself is a good part of the creation. It's it's created by God. So if we pray this prayer, give me today my daily bread, and don't want to work, even if we're completely capable, you're tempting God. What you're doing is praying to God for a miracle for your sake alone just because you're lazy if you're capable of working. Diligence says we work because that's God's means. That's how he set things up. It's his means to bring us our physical needs. It also says something about how we should work. You know, they say 75% of employees, 75% of folks out there do just enough to get by in their job. They do just enough to kind of keep their job. But that's not how a Christian should work. A Christian We give it 110%. We give it 110%, right, in our work. We're called to diligence because we understand how things work. We understand that work is God's design, his means to bring us our daily bread. Secondly, this petition calls us to generosity. It calls us to generosity. Our nature is to buy things and hoard things and and keep them up for ourselves. We can be so possessive. We want to keep it for ourselves. But you look at God, and he's not like that at all. The scriptures are full 
The Bible is overflowing with his generosity. He's the great giver. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus our Lord. He gave the ultimate gift and sacrifice so we would be saved from our sin. He sends his Holy Spirit. He gives and pours out his Holy Spirit generously to you, to our church, to his people, to empower us to live for him. He doesn't hold back his blessings. And as we grow in holiness, as we grow to be more like Jesus, we're called to also become more like him in his generosity and his giving to others. Being generous, that's connected with praying, give us. That means, being generous means a love for others. Those who've been given more than enough for the day share with others. A lot of people talk about the issue of hunger and poverty in regard to this prayer, give us today our daily bread. And that's very appropriate. Sometimes it seems like what you hear in our culture and society is the world doesn't seem to think Christians care much about the poor or about this type of stuff. But the fact is we do very much. But what's God's call for us in being generous to others? Do we, as soon as we get our paycheck, give all our money away as soon as it's in our hands? Or like some people say that, They say the Bible, this aspect of God's word, demands that we have a radical distribution of wealth in our country and in our world so that we do away with poverty, almost a type of socialism. Now, no doubt the government has a role when we think about these matters, the economy, right, finances. But the approach for believers, the approach for you, the approach for our church is the biblical idea of stewardship. That idea of stewardship. And we could spend many Sundays, a lot of teachings on stewardship. And we have before. That means we use God's gifts with care. It means we're accountable to Him. Stewardship means we don't just dump all of the money we have on those who have nothing. Because that wouldn't be good stewardship could and it likely very well would perpetuate the problem of poverty. Stewardship calls us to be faithful and thoughtful as we are generous with God's blessings. Ultimately, the key to being generous with all your blessings, generous with your time, generous with your talents, with your money, with all of your physical stuff, it's to meditate, I believe, on the Lord. I believe that will set you on the right path. It will set all of us on the right path. It's to meditate on God, to meditate on how he held nothing back for you, did he? He spared nothing for you, his child, but he gave his only begotten son to go on the cross And that, plus, he pours out his spirit on you in your life to give you just what you need. People who know their Lord and who are growing in a knowledge of him in their 
times of worship as we gather like this, which are just so wonderful, in your own quiet times, in God's Word, in your own prayer times, people who are growing in knowing the Lord cannot help but be generous people, can't help but love others, right? Thirdly, we're called to contentment. We're called to diligence and hard work and activity, but also to contentment in life. And those, you know, they kind of look like different things, and they are a little bit, but they both fit here. God is the one who gives ultimately, right? We talked about that. That means we need to be satisfied with what he's given us. We, we shouldn't be envious of other people and what they have people who might have more than you. Think about it. Who are we? Who are you? Who are you to be envious of someone else's blessings? What makes you and I think we're worthy of so much? And God is sovereign. He's the giver. Don't you think God is allowed to do whatever he wants? Don't you think maybe that God is allowed to pour out his blessings as he sees fit? Or, or, you know, when we're jealous, when we're envious, I think sometimes we're kind of acting like, God, you should have you checked with me first on whether that person has that car or that house. Do you think we have to ask God's permission first before he gives people blessings? Of course not. Of course not. Contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 and following says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Contentment. We pray for our daily bread. Not our yearly bread. Not a lifetime's worth of bread. That prayer, praying daily, is saying something really important too. It's saying, Lord, I'm happy to just receive enough for today. Lord, I'm not going to be anxious about tomorrow. I know and I trust that you, who are on the throne in my life and in this universe today, are going to be on the throne tomorrow too and forever. We can worry so much. We can get so anxious about our physical needs, can't we? When you think about your work or your business, the tendency is to worry about next year or next month. But God says, trust me. Trust me. Take it a day at a time. I will care for you a day at a time. When I think about this personally and I think about my health situation, God calls me to pray for my daily needs. I can get very worried and anxious about tomorrow or next year or five years from now. Or 10. We pray, I do and you do. Lord, give me physically what I need for today. Spiritually, yes, this, but this request is about our physical needs. We pray, give me today my daily bread. Lord, give me just what I need today to live for you, to glorify you, to serve you, to love those around me. One day at a time. Contentment. Contentment. 
one last word of application. It's confidence. It's confidence. We pray with confidence in this prayer. The the catechism, remember in that little reading, it, it reminds us of putting our trust in God. And these last couple of months, I've received wonderful reminders about the confidence that we can have from God's word in the Lord. A lot of reminders many of you have given me. Listen to a couple of them. Hebrews 13, 6 says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. The Lord is your helper. I will not be afraid. Jeremiah 17 Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. That's talking about your life in Jesus and mine. And then our text in Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father cares for them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We're called to confidence when we pray for our daily needs because God is sovereign. Your God is on the throne He will be today, forever. He loves you. He loves you. And he will provide you just what you need. Remember, when you pray this prayer, that's about our physical needs, our food, our shelter, all that kind of stuff. Remember always that they come after those first three petitions, these physical things that, let's face it, we spend so much time thinking about stuff. We spend so much time working to have more stuff. We spend so much time worrying about stuff. They're all for serving our God. They're a means to an end. They're not an end to themselves. They're for serving our God. They're for the building up of his church and kingdom. They're not for our kingdom building. They're a means to an end. And and remember, too, what's most important. Even if we receive enough bread for our entire lives, as God cares for us to the end, that's not going to be enough to save us and for us to escape the grave, will it? All our working, all our worrying, but unless Jesus returns first, that's not going to save us from the grave, but we read it early on in in John 6, Jesus is the bread of life. And that text goes on to say, those who eat of that bread, not the physical bread, those who eat of Jesus, those who belong to Jesus, will never die. So the big question today is, have you tasted Jesus in your life? And do you hunger 
for your Lord and your God above everything else in your life, above everything else that this world may offer. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen.